turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to look at the first uh, four verses. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of family. Lord, our lives would be so different without our families. Lord, you use our our families, even the pain uh, that family brings at times to, to point us to you. God, we believe that you're here with us. And we ask that you would send your spirit to lead us and guide us in truth, to grow us in this relationship with parents and children. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happiness is having a loving, large, caring, close-knit family in another city. (laughs) George Burns. Insanity runs in my family. It practically gallops. Cary Grant. I grew up with six brothers. That's how I learned to dance, waiting for the bathroom. Bob Hope. Six brothers. Today we're going to talk about family, specifically the sacred relationship of our relationship with our parents and also our relationship with our children. A lot of times we have high hopes for for family, but we find that we're broken and our families are broken in need of God's work and in God's redemption. How about the first family, Adam and Eve? God designs it. The first marriage gives them the instruction to be fruitful and multiply, the kind of anticipation that they had as Eve was was pregnant. Think about the start that Adam and Eve have together. In the garden, with God, no past. There's no prior boyfriends. There's no prior girlfriends. There's no comparison uh, to that. There's no in-laws. Try that one on for size, right? And they're expecting their first child. They have a son. They have their second child, another son, watching these boys, boys grow. And some of you are familiar with the story. It ends in homicide. It ends in murder. The first family has murder inside of it. There weren't the influences of the internet. These boys weren't growing up playing violent video games, being bombarded by pornography. But they had sin natures. Cain had a sin nature that got the best of him and killed his brother. If you have an honest look at family throughout the scriptures, it's broken. It's very difficult to find a family that's not broken. And our lives are similar. And oftentimes it's in the brokenness of family relationships that God weaves the gospel of redemption. He comes in and he shows us his grace. He shows us his ability to restore I want to be loud and clear on this this morning as we look at this four verses. Please guard yourself against condemnation. As we talk about marriage and parenting, Satan knows the scripture too. Do you realize that? And he loves to use the scripture against us to go, you know what, you're a lousy parent. And to get us to be in a place of condemnation. You're you're a lousy spouse. See, you you don't fulfill your role well at all. And when we get under that dark cloud of regret and that dark cloud of condemnation, it sucks all of the joy right out of us and any attempt to be able to live out God's instruction in these areas. And please remember the spiritual dominoes in Ephesians. This all begins with the grace of God. God's grace in Jesus Christ. As we believe in Christ, we become accepted, forgiven. We're not living out this to try to be accepted by God. 
We live in this grace. This grace is still active in our lives. We need a savior this morning, not to save us from our sins, but to save us from ourselves in the way that we interact with one another as as family. It's Jesus in us. It's a relationship with Christ that's gonna cause us to change in the way that we relate with each other. So the first spiritual domino, I'm in Christ. The second spiritual domino, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't fulfill these roles apart from the Holy Spirit. So let's look in verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So this is directed in that period of time where you're living inside of your parents' home. Obviously, when you're out on your own and you're not dependent upon your parents any longer and you launch out into adulthood, you're no longer required by God to obey your parents in in the same way. As this was written to the church, there's children in the church, and, and the children are being instructed in obedience to obey your parents in the Lord. When children are obeying their parents, they're honoring God. Obedience is an expression of their relationship with God. So if you are a high school student, you're still under your parents' roof, I want to encourage you in obeying your parents. This is where kids learn how to respond and respect to authority is in the parent-child relationship. Oftentimes when we're growing up, I remember thinking this, you know, it's going to be so great when I'm out of my parents' house because I'm going to get away from authority. I'm not going to have to do what my parents tell, tell me to do. But what do we discover? Authority is everywhere in life. Right? You get out of your parents' house and you have a college professor that's much more difficult than your parents were, that has no patience for your excuses of why you didn't get your research paper in. Right? You end up having a boss that doesn't care for you in the same way that, that a parent did. And you've got to respect that, that authority. There's authority that God has set up in in the government, hasn't he? And if you don't learn to honor it and respect it, you're going to have a a difficult life. You can't get away from the IRS. It doesn't matter who you are. They will find you and get your paycheck, right? So life, guys aren't too excited about that. (laughs) Me either, right? But you got to learn to deal with authority. So for those of us that are parents, this is an important lesson for us to teach our kids is that God has placed the parent as the authority over, over the, the child. And ultimately, they're not wrestling with us, they're wrestling with God. So there's an order for marriage. We saw that the last two weeks, but there's also an order inside of the home. And, and culture doesn't teach this right now. So we're wrestling with, are we going to accept a cultural view on family? Are we going to accept God's view on family? Culture says, you know, that the parent and the child are equals. They've got equal say and just, just allow the child to do whatever they would want and, and blossom and flourish in, in that way. And yes, we're equals in Christ. Yes, we're made in the image of God, but God is calling the parent to be the leader. This is hard for us sometimes, but God's not calling you first and foremost to be your child's friend. Your child has a lot of friends, but they need a parent. They need a mom, they need a dad, they need an authority in their life to lovingly, consistently, not heavy-handedly, but providing that, saying, look, you're under my authority. I'm responsible before God, and it's going to be in your best interest to learn obedience, to learn to be able to, to yield to authority. You're, a key phrase in this is obey your parents in the Lord. We obey authority as long as they're not asking us to 
rebel against God, to rebel against uh, God's word. A toddler was being asked to come to dinner and sit down. It can be a very difficult task to get a, a toddler to sit down at the dinner table. It's interesting when your kids are really young, you're trying to teach them to, to walk and talk. And then for the rest of their childhood, you're trying to teach them to sit down and be quiet, right? <laughs> so this child is not wanting to, to come to the dinner table. And the parents say, look, you either come to the dinner table or there's some consequences coming your way. And the child gives up and declares to the parents and says, you know what? I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside, right? And that's a lot of times how our obedience goes in our lives, is to say, you know what? I, I'm going to go along with it because I don't want the consequences, but I have a defiant heart. And as a parent, we want to try to reach their hearts to where they humble their hearts in obedience. What's challenging in this for us as parents is how is our submission to authority? Because kids, they're, they're watching. They're, not, they're watching what we say, but they're also watching what we, we do. What's my attitude towards my boss? Do I talk negatively about my boss and get all upset about my boss? What's my attitude towards police officers? Side note, but I hope you have a godly attitude towards police officers. They're here to keep us safe. The Romans 13 says they're godly ministers. If mom and dad are bad-mouthing police all the time, what do you think that that communicates to kids about authority, right? So how do I respond to authority is really going to indicate an example for kids and how they respond to authority. How do you talk about your kid's teacher? You know, your kid's teacher is not perfect, but that's your child's authority. And if the teacher's getting bad mouth all the time at home, what does that communicate to the kid? That communicates to the kid, authority's no big deal, right? And so hopefully we're modeling submission uh, to authority. Does God give us authority to come under just because he wants to rob us of joy? Is God the cosmic killjoy up there going, you know, I'm just going to make these guys suffer. They're kind of rotten, so, you know, they're going to, here's some authority for you. Jesus came to give us life and to give us more abundantly. God wants us to have freedom, and authority provides the necessary accountability that we all need in our lives. And so as we choose to walk under authority, we choose to walk in, in freedom. In verse 2, honor your, your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long upon the earth. This comes from the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses, and it's the first commandment with promise. Honor your father and your mother. If we choose to honor our father and our mother, the promise is that it'll go well with you and you will live long upon the earth. Not necessarily that you're promised to live 90 years, but your time on this earth, it's the quality of life that you have. When we line ourselves up with honoring our father and mother, we're honoring God. By honoring your parents, you're honoring God. You're putting yourself under the place where God's blessings can be poured out. The spigot in which God's blessings could be poured out. There's a large part of me when I read these verses that goes, I want to know what this blessing's like. I want to know what it's like to live under the blessing of God. If you choose or you have chosen to honor your father and mother, even when it's difficult, ultimately you're putting yourself in a place where God can bless you. When we think of the Ten Commandments, uh, we like to highlight 
certain of those Ten Commandments and then kind of put the others to the side. You know, hopefully you're not killing anybody today, right? Hopefully you're not committing adultery today. But we may be breaking God's Ten Commandments by not honoring our father and our mother or by not resting. That's one of the Ten Commandments as well, to, to have, a, have a day of rest. Well, that, well that, that's not for me. I'm not going to rest. And honoring my father and mother, that, that's not for me uh, as well. So for some, this is very difficult because you may feel that your parents are less than honorable. Maybe they don't know Christ or they do know Christ and they make a lot of sinful choices and sinful uh, decisions. There's a couple thoughts on this and the first is, is the longer that you walk in life and the longer that you parent, the more set of mistakes that we all make, right? So hopefully we're becoming more gracious towards our parents the longer we walk on this earth. There may be a lot of anger or resentment towards mom or dad and then you follow your own journey and you go, oh my goodness, I've got my own set of mistakes. I've got my own set of, of shortcomings. And God says, if you want mercy, be merciful. Uh, if I want to receive mercy, I want to give mercy. But also then to honor the position even when you can't honor the person. So someone is, is very much in sin. They're, they're very much making sinful choices. And you're saying, I, I realize that, but I still want to honor the position that God has given to them. I'm going to speak to them in a respectful way. I'm going to pray for them because that's honorable. I'm still going to try to meet some needs in their life because that is honoring the Lord. And praying for this service this morning, I, I just felt that the Lord was putting on my heart that there's some here today where you need to forgive your parents. You need to forgive your mom. You need to forgive your dad. You're walking around with resentment and hurt and there's real issues and they have sinned against you, but God wants to set you free. I want you to choose forgiveness, to choose to extend that, that grace and allow the Holy Spirit to show you how to honor them. Try it out, be committed to it. Say, I wanna honor my parents because I wanna experience this blessing that God has. Again, young people, choose to honor your parents. Choose to respect your parents and things will, will go well with you. For some of us that have traveled a little further in life, we're like, man, I, I wish I would have listened to my parents when I was 18. Lo and behold, they were right, you know? And to be able to have that humility to say, man, I want to respect them and I, and I want to, to honor them. We're not that culture of honor, are we? We don't honor life. We kill babies in the womb with abortion and we kill our elderly with assisted suicide. We don't honor life. We don't honor marriage, but God's calling us to be a people of honor. Elderly have a place in our society. Our parents should not be cast away in their elderly years, but to, to love and, and care for them. They loved and cared for us in our young years, and now it's, it's our turn to love and, and care for them and to show them honor. So what's some practical ways that you can honor your parents? You know, what, what is it that the Lord's showing you to, to call them, to text them, to plan a visit, to, to, to pray for them, to write them a note? And we as parents, we, we love notes from our, from our kids. As an adult, you can write a note to your parents. You might have to find a stamp. That could be hard to do. But a written note has a lot of weight, doesn't it? Or send an email. I'm sure that would be appreciated as well. But that, that sense of honor and giving that to our parents. In verse four, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. 
this instruction is written to fathers. And it's applicable to moms, but it is directed towards dads. The reason why is because we saw from Ephesians 5 that the father is the head of the wife, that the husband is the head of the wife. He's the head of the home. So dads, we're ultimately responsible for what's taking place in our marriage and what's also taking place in the lives of our kids. And this is an instruction in the negative. This is something not to do for dads, but also to moms, is don't provoke uh, your children to wrath. I want to hit the pause button for just a second because we see children referred to a lot in our text. And I think it's important for us to have a godly lens towards children. I've got glasses, and they're very helpful. I'm nearsighted, so I can read up close, but without my glasses, I can't see your faces. So it's nice to see your faces, right? And we need to have a biblical worldview when it comes to, to children. So turn with me to Psalms 127. It's, it's my favorite when it comes to family. Psalms 127, it's a psalm that's directed towards family. Some encouraging promises here in God's perspective on children. Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. In context of this chapter, it's talking about family. This is a warning, but it's also a promise. God's saying, don't try to build your family apart from me. If you try to build your your family apart from me, you're going to labor in vain. Don't do it in your own strength. Don't do it in your own resources, your own good ideas. But here's the promise. The promise is God wants to build your family. Isn't that encouraging? He wants to build your marriage. He wants to build the relationship with the kids. So if we let him, he'll do it. Goes on to say, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. God says children are a heritage and a reward. The word heritage actually means reserved blessing. It's the way that we think of passing on an inheritance to our kids. You're reserving a physical blessing to your kids, to your grandkids. God says his reserved blessing for us is children. Is that how we see kids? Moms and dads, is that how we see our children, that they're a blessing from the Lord? I'm sure sometimes we do. But in the challenges of day-to-day life, we may not reflect on them in that light, right? in our moments of of discouragement. For those of you that are single, hoping to get married someday, or you're you're a young uh, married couple, is I wanna encourage you, if the Lord wills and he allows, some are not able to have children, which is extremely painful, and I know that that's so so difficult, but if you are able to, to have kids, married couples, this is just my encouragement, by all means, do it. They're in heritage from the Lord. And we're living in a culture and society that don't see kids as a blessing. And I mean this from my deepest part of my heart. The best things I've done in my life is receive Christ as my Savior, number one. Number two, marry Amber, hands down. I married up. That was a great decision. And then the third was to have kids. 
to have kids. My life is so much more full because of children. And I'm so thankful that God allowed us to, to have children. And without children in our lives, there would be so much that I wouldn't know about the Lord. And I wouldn't know, know about myself. And so if God allows you to, to have kids, by all means do it. And I talk to young couples and I'll ask them, I'm kind of nosy, uh, do, do you guys plan on having kids? And, and I, I get some interesting responses. Uh, you know, I've talked to a couple before uh, a few years back and they're like, you know, uh, we don't want to have kids because I have a celiac, uh, uh, I'm gluten intolerant and I don't want to pass that on to my kids. And I know that that's very serious. I have some good friends that, that are celiacs, but that's not a reason to not have kids. Like you can, you can manage that. You can, there's gluten-free bread and there's even gluten-free pizza, right? It, man, God would want to bless you with, with children. We live in a dog state, which is great. You know, we treat our dogs really well in, in, in Colorado. And in talking to young couples, like, I don't know if we're going to have kids. We're just going to have a couple of dogs. We've got a couple of dogs, and we love these dogs, and, and they're going to be our children. I got to tell you, dogs are not a heritage from the Lord. They're not a reserved blessing from the Lord. And you're saying, well, God created them, and I know all of that, but they're not created in God's image. They're not 23 chromosomes of dad and 23 chromosomes of, of mom. And part of a biblical worldview is to say, man, kids are a blessing. And if the Lord desires to give us kids and he enables us to, to have kids, let's do it and let, let's go for it and trust, trust the Lord in those things. You'll never be able to afford to have kids, right? Not that you don't weigh the finances and take that, that seriously, but you also have to trust God's ability to provide. So back to Ephesians uh, 6, uh, verse 4, is we see God instructing fathers to not provoke children to wrath. What are some ways that, as parents, we provoke our children to wrath? A double standard, a double standard, duplicity. We ask our kids to do one thing, but we do another thing. That's going to incite anger in our kids. Unrealistic expectations. So this is where our expectations are so high for our kids, they always feel like a failure. It really doesn't matter what they do. We're going to communicate in our words, our actions, our body language that they're, they're a failure, and that's going to incite anger in the, the heart of our children. This is a big one. Rules without relationship and reason. Rules without relationship and reason. Rules are important, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, and boundaries. But if we have rules without relationship, then that's going to produce rebellion. So the relationship is really important. And moms and dads and grandparents, what we need to be focusing on as God's allowed us to parent our kids is relationship. Because that relationship is then where we get to communicate the knowledge of God. And we do get to communicate the importance of, of right and wrong. Take that time to invest in relationship. There's a teaching called the bank account theory. It's very simple. In your bank account, you can't just make withdrawals. If you only make withdrawals, you're in trouble. You need deposits. You need a paycheck going into that bank account as well to make things balance. And that's the same in all relationships and relationship with kids. If I'm only making withdrawals, if I'm only just calling them on stuff and giving them another rule and I'm not taking time to invest in relationship, eventually that's going to result in the child getting extremely uh, frustrated. And then reason. Rules need reason. 
rules need logic. Now, I may be wrong in this, but when a kid's a toddler, it's not the logic phase of their life. If you have a toddler, you understand, right? That's this phase of life where you're establishing, look, mom and dad are the authority, and you're going to have to do this because I told you to do it. That, that's the way the world works. That's the way this, this home works. But as they get older and they get into elementary school, kids enter into an age of reason. And so we want to start to provide, this is why. This is why we do this. This is why you're not supposed to do that. And then that increases as they enter into their, their teen years. And a lot of times our rules are based out of our own brokenness and passion points. So mistakes that we made in high school, we want to help our kids to try not to make those same mistakes. But if we don't tell them our mistakes, our rules won't make any sense. Maybe you had a terrible dating relationship in high school. Caused a lot of pain in your life. There's a lot of regret there. And so as you're now parenting your teen, you're saying, look, you can't date that guy. You know, you can't date that gal. If they don't understand the reason why, it's going to be very difficult. This is the reason why. I dated a knucklehead in high school, and it caused all this pain in my life. And I'm trying to spare you from that. That's the reason behind the, the, the rules, sharing God's word with them and the logic with it. Inconsistency provides a lot of frustration in, in the lives of, of our kids. And, and I share this stuff with you as a broken dad who's learning, you know. As we look at God's word together, we're growing together. By no means do I have all of this, this figured out. And as I evaluate my own parenting, it gets squirrely when I get inconsistent, you know. When Tuesday, this is what you're allowed to do, but on Wednesday, it changes for some reason. And a lot of reasons why it changes is because I'm lazy on Wednesday. I don't want to enforce the rules on Wednesday. But Tuesday, I was motivated. I just read Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, right? So I'm all pumped up on, on parenting. And so we want to be consistent. Choose your battles wisely. If you make a constitution with your kids, you better be willing to follow it up, right? If you're like, all right, guys, we're rolling out some new things here and everybody's making their bed every day. You're going to have to make your bed and brush your teeth. I don't even want you coming down for breakfast until you've made your bed and brush your teeth. You better be consistent to make sure you want to follow through with that. Otherwise, it's better to deal with a bed that's not made. You, you with me? So consistency is really important in the life of a child. And then neglect. Neglect can spur anger on in the heart of a child. This does not mean that it's your fault if your kid is mad at you. Sometimes kids just get mad. I got angry as a child. I can still get angry at, at times. But it is for us to evaluate and say, am I doing anything that's provoking the anger? Okay, the answer is no. I'm not inciting their anger that, that this is something that they're working through at this, at this point. Now, here's the positive. But bring them up in training and abdomen of the Lord. The word bring up is really interesting. It means to nourish. So you get a young plant that, that's growing up, and it, it's nourishing. Uh, my daughter, Ailey, she's our, our third child. She had some allowance money that she earned, and we were at Home Depot, and she decided to buy some delphinium seeds. She wanted to plant these uh, seeds and see if she could grow them into to flowers. So we planted them yesterday, and these, these seeds are so tiny. And we got the egg carton. They've got to start in the house, got some soil, and putting these little seeds in an eighth of an inch into, into the soil. And it's a very delicate process. 
When we're talking about watering the soil, you, you can't put a lot of water on there. You just, you just put a little bit off of your, your fingertips and then here comes this little plant eventually in 21 to 28 days. That's forever. You know, and just continue to care and bring forward. And that's the idea of parenting is to, to bring up, we're, we're bringing them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Training, it is the overall development, physical and emotion and spiritual of, of a child. We're, we're training, training them up in the Lord. We're, we're training them up physically. We're training them up emotionally. And this does involve discipline or loving consequences. In Proverbs 3, verse 12, it says, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a f- father, the son in whom he delights. The Bible says if you delight in a child, you will correct that, that child. In Proverbs 22, it says foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Those loving consequences. This is the starting point for all of us is foolishness is bound up in our hearts. And boundaries, loving discipline, helps us grow, helps us be trained in the right direction. Without boundaries, the world's a very scary place. I remember my great-grandma, Naomi Watson. She lived to be 101 years old, and we would go visit her at her assisted living in Eugene, Eugene, Oregon. There were seven floors on this building. And for me as a kid, that was a huge, huge building. We'd go to the seventh floor, and, and they had this little observation deck that looked down upon the main street of e- Eugene, Oregon. And there was a guardrail, several guardrails that were there. And those guardrails gave me great comfort in being able to look over because I knew that I was safe. And boundaries to a child communicate that you're cared for, even when a child is saying, I don't want any boundaries. If there was no guardrail there, that would be terrifying. And to be a child growing up in this world and thinking I can just do whatever I want is terrifying and ultimately detrimental. Dr. James Dobson writes a book called Bringing Up Girls. And there's a section of the book where he just includes a lot of interviews that he did with college women who were in the Family Life Institute. And he asked a question to, to these ladies and says, you know, what communicated love from your father in teenage years? And the answer really interests me because what these gals said, in essence, was dad loving me enough to hold me accountable. And it was specifically dad. Dad holding me enough, loving me enough to hold me accountable. There's one gal that said, I would specifically dress in an inappropriate way just to see if my dad would call me on it. I wasn't looking for the attention of the boys. I was wanting to know if dad cared me enough to hold me accountable. So she would find the most risque thing that she owned, her boyfriend's coming to pick her up and see if dad would stop her and say, look, you're not dressing like that. But she actually had a change of clothes in her purse, in her bag. And once she was out, she she changed her clothes. Dad never said anything. And that communicated to her that she was unloved by dad. Why is that so interesting? Because most of us as dads would think my teen does not want me calling them on something. And I've got to start to let them learn the hard way. And there, there is a place for that, but they're actually longing for boundaries. They're actually longing for us to say, look, I love you enough and I care about you enough that I'm not going to let you do this. You can't dress like that. 
And, and so that, that's part of the training is this discipline and these loving consequences. But also is the admonition. And admonition means instruction. So God's two-pronged approach to parenting is training and instruction. Training and instruction. And if we can think as, as a parent in these two modes, in these two gears, if you would, Okay, I'm training, I'm a coach, I'm bringing loving consequences, I'm bringing encouragement, but I'm also bringing instruction. And this is kind of like out of fire hose uh, uh, this morning, so bear with me, but I want to read to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. I think it's the most concise insight on how to provide the instruction for our kids. So this is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It starts with us loving God, us having a genuine walk with God. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. We have to have God's word in our heart. Sometimes God's word being in our hand is too far away. We need it in our heart. So you can teach them diligently to your children and talk to them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Family provides life-on-life instruction. You're doing life with your kids. You're riding with them in the minivan to so many places, having breakfast together, eating dinner together, putting them to bed at night. And as you're going through, you're thinking about, okay, how can I teach them the knowledge of God? Let me ask you this. As parents, what's the number one thing we want to share with our kids? What's our message? It's the gospel. That's the number one thing. Even if they've received Christ at a young age, throughout their growing up years, to let them know it all points to the gospel. God loves you. He died for you. He he rose again. You've made a, a bad choice here, a sinful choice here. You can get right with the Lord and God's ready to forgive you and Jesus has paid for that upon the cross. We're ultimately wanting to bring them to the heart of God. That's what we're instructing them to. So it may look something like this. There's a beautiful sunset and instead of just letting that pass, you're with your kids and going, what do you guys think about that? Isn't God an awesome painter? He just put that up there to show us that, 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 that he, he loves us. That, that's instructing There's something going on in the the heart of your child and something going on with friendships. There's an opportunity to instruct. The Bible says if you want to have friends, you need to be friendly. You're you're teaching them. If you want to have friends in your life, you've got to be someone who reaches, reaches out to others. Maybe you're driving down the road and there's something happening on the streets. There's something on a billboard and obviously the whole family saw it is that's a teachable moment to say, okay, What's the message of that billboard? What do you think? Is, is that something that God has for us? But the primary responsibility of training and instruction is not upon a school. It's not upon a church. It's not upon a society. It's upon the parent. It's my job as a parent. That's what God is call, calling uh, me to. And as we close this morning, I want to encourage us in this mindset of honoring our parents. What are some practical ways to honor our parents? And then this mindset of training and instructing our kids. And I would imagine that there are some parents that we feel extremely beat up in this process. And I think the lies of the enemy really get in here 
Satan wants to attack parents and we can get to a place of, of discouragement. And I want to encourage you that you still are the number one influence in the life of your child. Studies show that and God has, has declared it. You are the number one influence. And you may feel like they're not receiving or they're not hearing, but keep praying, keep investing, keep engaging. We're not going to do it perfectly. And when we fall short to own that before the Lord and own that before our, our children. If you're a single parent, maybe you're looking at this single moms and going, there's no father in the picture. God will be faithful to stand in the gap for you. And you do your best, rely upon the Lord, and God is gonna use that in an incredible way. Single dads, don't give up, don't be discouraged, don't look at the odds. Look at who God is and, and continue to invest. Grandparents, you have such a role in the life of your grandkids. What a blessing. We're, we're so thankful for our kids' as grandparents. As a dad now with kids, Grandma and grandpa can say things. It's like, I've been saying that for years, right? But when grandpa says it, when grandma says it, they hear it from a different way. You've got such a unique opportunity to be able to spoil your grandkids, right? You get to give them sugar and get away with it, right? But also to be able to share the knowledge of God. There's so many testimonies of a grandchild sitting on grandma's knee and grandma reading the scriptures to them, grandma reading a, a child's Bible to them, grandma praying for them, grandpa taking them fishing and sharing with them with the knowledge of God. Your, your grandkids could be a, a long way away. FaceTime them, figure out how to do it, figure out how to text them. You have a huge influence of being able to, to instruct them in, in the ways of the Lord. We're offering the Art of Parenting in, in two weeks. Uh, parents, if you're saying, I want resources, I want to grow, God's Spirit has touched me in this, go, go sign up. It's going to be on, on Saturday nights. Malachi 4 gives us this verse, and I'll close with this. It says, And he will turn the hearts of the father to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Fathers turn to children, and children turn to fathers. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of family, the joy of, of children. Lord, I pray you would comfort hearts uh, of those for a variety of different reasons that haven't been able to have kids. Lord, if they have a heart for children, that you would show them ways that they can minister to kids and really comfort their heart. I pray you would encourage parents at different phases, Lord. Help us to really hear from you, to not get discouraged by the enemy but to really press into the lives of, of our kids. We thank you for the kids of our church and the teens of our church. And God, would you be gracious to them and give them the knowledge of you. And so God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.